Welcome to the Life in Lawn Care podcast. We're your host, Jesse James. Interviews, industry leaders all the way down to the new business startups, also sharing stories of his own to help you with information, inspiration, all to motivate you with your life in lawn care. Now, let's get into the show. Here, this is Jesse James. Listen to that, Mike Gunn. Gosh, Mike, that Mike Gunn, he does a great, great job. If you guys don't know who Mike Gunn is, Mike Gunn has his own YouTube channel, Get It Done With Gunn, and he also has his podcast. It is uh, Lawn Care Community Podcast. You guys go check it out. Hey, today on the phone, uh, I reached out to a guy who I don't understand doesn't how doesn't have a 200,000 or half a million thousand, whatever, a, a huge following. But as of right now, he sits about... 5,000 subscribers on, on YouTube and, he, and his plans to help everybody. Mike, Andy's from the Landscape uh, landscape Business Course, I do believe. is that is that That's what it is, right, Mike? That's it, yeah. Thanks for having me on, Jesse. Oh, dude, I, I was excited when you when you immediately emailed me back about it. And, uh, dude, when I found you, when I found your channel, like, here, here's a little backstory for you. I started my business last, last July. No reason. I just got a taste of making it. I was a factory worker had an opportunity to make some money mowing grass. And I was like, wow, this is, there's some real money to be made out here in, in this world. And no one ever told me about this. I didn't grow up on a farm running mowers and all this other stuff, you know? And I was like, well, how do I do it? So I start looking around. There wasn't a whole lot of content. So I start watching all these other guys. And when I found your stuff, you was calling out top, uh, top notch, the big dog. And I was like, oh, wow, this young, this young cat. So then I started tracking you down. I was like, wow, man, this guy puts out a lot of, a lot, a lot of great information. If you want to run a business and you have a, you have a whole course on your website, landscape business course, if you want to plug it, I think it's very important. Plug it for everybody to know. It's, it's very important. Yeah. So yeah, we, we started the course several years ago and, and I'm like, my main thing is really just trying to help the industry and, you know, our community and, you know, the course is there, but really we have the Gusta Lawn Care, it's the franchise. We have 20 locations now. We started that about uh, almost a year ago now. So, um, but, you know, I, I'm just thrilled to be able to give back and try to help. And I kind of started when I was 11 years old. And then that, you know, mowing lawns was really what allowed me to go through college, pay my way through college. I started college when I was really young at 13 years old. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of helped, allowed me to pay my way through college and then just, scaling it up once I finish college. So I really feel like uh, this, this industry as a whole, there's so much room for improvement. And for you know young entrepreneurs like myself that was young, getting started in business, it's such a great place to kind of hone your skills and kind of sharpen your sword, when it, whether it be you know hiring people, marketing, there's so many skills that go into it. So I just love kind of doing whatever I can as much as possible. I've been able to, you know, less time recently just because the franchise, but um, trying to even recently got a full-time video guy. We're going to try to get that 5,000 subscribers a little higher for you, Jesse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I look at it. I'm just like, man, this guy is, he's give, you're just giving away the tool and which is great for people like me who just doesn't have the, well, now I'm doing, I'm doing really good. Now I'm not trying to, you know, whatever. But when I first broke into it, even just last year was last year I got legitimate, but when I first broke into it and started messing around, I didn't have a, a couple extra hundred dollars for coaching calls and, and I didn't understand the value of it. So I look at your channel 
for someone like whenever I start finding you and start looking into what, what you got going on, I'm like, this guy's giving away the, 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 he's telling you how to really do it and talking about different marketing plans. And even, even now going through the coronavirus, like you're like, I looked at your life, my stock picks for 2020, like it's just like simple stuff that like you, you bring it, you, you said that you was, you went to college at 13 and I knew your backstory cause I watched your channel. But isn't that kind of funny how a lot of people in society have, if you mow, uh, mowing grass is a connotation. People get nervous about getting in the business because they say it's what younger guys do to make money. Well, here you are, one of the smartest guys around that goes to college at a younger age and could do anything. You could, you could, you could have went and done anything, picked any job, any field, but you went back to what you know and, and you're doing great. You have a franchise. How's the franchise been treating you? Good, good. There's about, we just, we actually just, uh, before I got on the call, we just had our franchisee training for this weekend. Uh, we have 20 locations now around the U.S. and Canada. So, um, yeah, it's been really well. And again, in reference to what you said about, you know, kind of doing anything or whatever, I, I really think, you know, the lawn care is a great, great industry for someone to learn business. And if they go on to do something different or something maybe they're more passionate about, like for most people uh, in my shoes, for example, I'm not super passionate necessarily about, making straight lines in grass or like smell of grass doesn't get me turned on. Like, like I'm really more into the business and the systems and the people behind and then the marketing and that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, in part, that's what doesn't do so well on, on YouTube. Um, and you probably know, like if I do videos of mowing and things like that, that's going to get a whole lot more views. Yeah, but in the, the day, mowing that's tall really... grass is what takes. <laughs> I, yeah, so, so like, I really feel like for small business owners and young people, especially out there, there's no better place than lawn care because what we do is pretty simple. Um, it's not rocket science. Right. Um, and it's, it's a great place to learn the skills of business instead of trying to spend your entire time learning the logistics of how to ask, actually perform the work right um and, and so i think it's a simple business that with the right systems procedures marketing and people can be very very lucrative um if done correctly and so i that's really what attracted me to it and i think it's for a lot of people would be a great stepping stone in their kind of entrepreneurial journey right i i definitely agree because when i when i got in the bit i've been a factor i, I was your D minus student and your six guy off the bench. So like I played sports, I went to school every day, but I wasn't the smartest guy. I never, I never applied myself to anything. Didn't really care about. It. And then, and as I became an adult, I went to be a factor worker. That was like, I was, I just kind of did what everybody else did around me. Just had that same mentality. I went along with the flow. I never thought it was possible for someone just a simpleton like myself come from a trailer park. To go to a fact, I thought that's all it was. When I broke into actually mowing grass and making money, because at first it was like, okay, why do I need a bigger, better mower? Why do I need? So when I started going down this path, to how can I make, how can I make a little bit more money? Turned into, I'm becoming a lot more efficient. And then fast forward, almost two years later, I'm, I'm doing way better than I was at a factory, but I'm also learning systems and different. I'm just looking and reading books that I never thought someone like me would ever be able to read. So like, that's why I, I really love the lawn care, landscaping, the the whole industry, because like you said, it is simple to break into it. But when you actually get into it, you're, you're learning actual, 
actual marketing and, and targeting certain demographics and, and, and breaking it down in, instead of just mowing tall grass or having beautiful straight lines. If you want to focus on that, that's fine, but that's not really going to make any extra money. A lot of the, a lot of our clients aren't like super worried about it. They just want everything to look good. But if you can put your resources into other ends of your business and what kind of trucks and what kind, what can make you more efficient? Cause you don't have your whole franchise. I do believe you guys don't even run trailers. Do you? Yeah. No trailers. It really depends on the market. Like, um, you know, a lot of people think I, I I'm so, so, so against trailers okay. uh, because some of the content I create, but it really depends on your market. Like if your average lawn is, you know, 20,000, 30,000 square feet of turf, like you're probably, you're going to need a zero turn, right? right, right now, right. do you need a trailer? Possibly not if you can get a, a ramp into the back of the bed of your truck and get a 48-inch zero turn because you just side discharge your clipping. Right. In our market, we have to actually bag our clippings. It's pretty much standard. Mm -hmm. And so we have to actually keep the bed of our truck open. And therefore, we have to do a cargo carrier and have a push mower a 30 inch push mower on the back of the truck. But I think for most people, they would be better off, you know, nixing the, the, the $6,000 enclosed trailer that gets dented, has tires issues. It's a lot harder to find laborers that can back a trailer up. You know, yeah. you know, if you're in a metro area, like downtown, there's just no reason to have a big trailer that's going to force you to park two blocks away from your job. When if you had a trailer that's set up and, you know, whether it be a push mower or a zero turn the back of that bed of that truck with racks on the side, you'd be much more, you know, much closer to your, you'd be able to pull in the driveway of your potential customer uh, instead of parking two blocks down the street. And when you get employees, every single avenue of your business, every single junction of your business where there possibly could be an issue gets exploited when you have employees, whether it be jackknifing a trailer, you know, backing it into something or person or whatever it might be. And so trying to eliminate all of those potential crosshairs or crossroads that where, you know, a, a potential wreck could happen is really important when you start adding employees and scaling the business. Just simplification is so, so important if you're going to scale it up. Simplification of your services and in terms of trailers setup, it really has to do a simplification of your equipment and your setup that allows you to scale much faster. Yeah. Hey, I got a, I got a whole bunch of questions. Like I can go on forever with someone of your mindset, but when you, you talk a lot about scaling your business and that was something that when I really started watching your business like, over the winter or your, your channel over the winter, you're talking about like how to scale and when to scale. Like when you're looking at a solo guy, I have trouble it's because of my leadership issues is why I have trouble uh, keeping help. I don't want to necessarily say employee. I know we're supposed to, to act like, you know, I'm not, I'm not there, but just keeping help. I have issues with, cause I know it's my leadership problems and I, I have things I don't want to let go. And I, you know, that's my issues that I'm dealing with now. But as you scale, as you scale your business at, at what point do you sit back and realize like, okay, I'm ready to take that to that next level or should someone like me just already be gearing up for that next level? Or is, is that a weird question to ask? Yeah. Like it really, it really, at the end of the day, I feel like most entrepreneurs and business owners that have some level of risk, um, you know, fear of risk, you're always going right. to second guess whether or not you're ready to grow. Right. Like okay. the, did I think, two years ago that we were ready to start a franchise and have 20 locations. That's crazy. No, That's I would have been, I would have told you 
that every day I was showing up to work and learning something new, and therefore I could not, you know, tell other others how to run their company. The bottom line is now, now into it, do I realize the value that the franchise brings in comparison to other franchise orders? Yeah, hundred percent. But the thing is, I had to take that step to get to that point first, right? Like, I think for a lot of people to think a million dollar business is super big and whatever, uh, and scary and all the rest of it, when they get there, it's like, mm, it's not that bad. And especially if they run on systems, right? Like the classic story and what everyone's so, so afraid of is growing the business quote unquote too fast. Right. And a lot of times it has to do with over leveraging, getting wrapped up in equipment, flashy trucks. Uh, you know, lots of debt. And then, yeah, when there's a downturn like we've had in the past few months and, you know, consumers start to freeze their wallets, yeah, you might get caught down, caught with your pants down. But if you've done the, the scaling and the scale, the way you've built the business in a simple model and in a systems-oriented model and without over-leveraging yourself and being super flashy, I don't think there's any sort of fear in growing a business because if you can do one thing right, and then you can do the second thing, right? Like if you can do one crew and it's efficient and it can run without you and you can do routing and the job notes and they don't always are calling you five times a day to fix things because everything's in your CRM. Like if you can do that for one, do it for two, you know? And if you can get two crews out doing lawns and you're double your production and again, same thing. They're not calling you on every single mowing job. They, they know how to you get, create systems for how to fix certain types of equipment, how to mm. train them. If you've done it for two, you can do it for three. Right. The bottom line is we always create issues for ourselves when we think about scaling by creating too much uh, variation. We have different setups of our in our trucks. We have different sizes of mowers. We have different types of blades and different types of brands of, of our mowers. We have trailers and we have smaller trucks. Like there's just so much variety that we start throwing. And we have different. We don't train all of our guys the same way. And so now we're trying to juggle jobs and the size of the job based upon the equipment and the level of skill that our employees have like creating systems to create redundancy in each of those categories whether it be equipment or labor is what allows you to scale at a faster rate okay. without everything falling to pieces yeah because the lawn care juggernaut he he he's a he's helped me out a lot throughout the winter and he asked me about my systems and like my whole business is a is a complete mess. I sat over over the winter and I thought, oh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. Like th the truth was, I had no idea what I was doing. So it took me till this year to kind of realize, oh, <laughs> okay, this now now I understand what people are talking about when they say systems in place. Because I look at I look at my setup and I'm like, everything's in my head. And this is where I struggle with, like I was saying, keeping people, just people to help me out. It's I keep everything in my head and I want things done a certain way. So if, if <laughs> I just, I struggle a lot and that's something that I've effective as of like last weekend, when I totally realized my leadership quality really wasn't there. None of my systems were in place. Like I kept saying it, I just would tell people, yeah, I got systems in place and this and that. It wasn't until like the long hair juggernaut. He was, we were talking and he's like, well, take me step by step how you onboard this or how you do that. And I'm like kind of fumbling it because I do it naturally, but to have to tell someone else, it's like, well, you kind of do this and that's over here. So you're absolutely right. The, and the, when you talk about scaling, if you don't have the systems in place or the infrastructure in place, there's no 
reason to even talk about the next level because because someone like someone like me, I appreciate all the content that you put out because you just like what you just said right there. It systems are, are, are so important, and that's something that I need to work out. And a lot of people that listen to my show, they're um, they also obviously follow my uh, my channel, but we're just guys that are in our first couple years in business, and we just we're just now realizing that this is an actual business. We're not just doing this to make extra money. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. So yeah, and I think I think I think a lot of times too, like going back to how you felt last winter and things. Like, first of all, I think the biggest step and the biggest thing that I think is so awesome is when someone can realize and just like verbalize, like you said, just realize that hey, I I don't know what I'm doing in terms of systems. Like, it's okay to be in that position. I think a lot of people just get very proud. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, I have systems. But like, but it takes a lot of humility. And that's the first step, in my opinion, to improvement is just being humble enough. Like, look, either I need help or at least not even getting that stage. Just, I cannot do this. Like, I am not good at this. I need to improve in this area. Not so much that I can't do this, but more just that, like, I need to improve in this area. That's the first step, right? And I think in terms of, when it comes to systems, it's a tag word that so many people use. Oh yeah, you gotta have systems and procedures. And I fall into that same issue, right? Right? Like in terms of like break that down, right? And this is what I push content creators to really talk about. Like, okay, what are we talking about when we say system? Like for most people out there, a system is just something that makes it easier or whatever. They, they don't really have any sort of conceptualization of a system. Like for example, the reason that something like uh, someone with 30, 40 customers is not going to be able to scale traditionally mm -hmm. is because they have all their information in their head. Right. And the best way to add, to really test your system, whether it be your hiring system, whether it be your onboarding system, whether it be your sales system, whether it be your training system, like so many different elements of the business, the best way to, to test that in your own mind, if you're humble and you're actually honest with yourself, is ask yourself, if I can X my business, would this, would this system work? If I got 10 times as many employees, would my onboarding system work? If I got 10 times as many leads as I did last week, would the way that I do my estimate system work? If the answer is no, it's very simple. What would you change if you had 10 times as much of whatever leads next week? What would you have to do? Well, I'd probably have to get an estimator. Oh, I'd probably have to get more employees. Okay, then work our way ourselves backwards. Why can't you get an estimator? Okay, well, I have no idea what I'm doing in terms of pricing. I'm pulling numbers out of my head. Right. Okay, well, let's fix that. Let's do it based upon an hourly rate. And then when you do an estimate on a job, instead of saying, oh, it's 50 bucks, ask yourself, how long is that going to take? And multiply that by your hourly rate that you're trying to target on every single job. And so I think systems get very, very gray. And um, we, there's a tagline. I fall in this trap too, because a lot of, especially new entrepreneurs in, in our community, the lawn care industry, we see it so many times from so many different YouTubers and content creators. And like, yeah, I need systems and procedures, but like, where does that start? Yeah. You know? And I think the, the, a great way to test that is like, if I had 10 times as many leads, 10 times as many employees, 10 times what, whatever part you're trying to test in the business, what would I have to change? Right. And, and, and be okay with the fact that it's never going to be perfect. Right. You got Amazon and these incredible companies every day they show up and fix something, improve something, make something different, and they're not getting complacent. Don't ever think that you're going to get your business to this point where it's like, oh, yeah, it's 
perfect, man. I just run like butter. Anyone tells you that, they're going to be out of business very soon. Because if you show up at Amazon, you show up at any other company that we admire, every single day they're trying to break things, they're trying to improve things, they're willing to take losses in certain areas to try to learn. And if people aren't willing to do that, and if they think, oh, yeah, I've just got it, like everything's perfect, that's the first step to decline and eventual failure. And so I think you're, the first thing you said is, is the most important. That is realizing that you need systems and realizing being humble enough to be like, look, I don't know what I'm doing here, and I'm going to learn. And, right. and I think that's awesome. Right. I think that's the first step. Yeah, because like like right now, like I took banners off the side of my truck, which is a bad idea, but like I got so overwhelmed towards the end of spring well, probably it was middle of spring, somewhere around here for our, I'm in Ohio, so it's a little bit different, mm-hmm. but I got so overwhelmed because my website was starting to hit and I, I, I built it all myself cause I had time through this winter, not, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. pat myself on the back, whatever. But mm-hmm. my website was starting to click a little bit, which is good. And my, my marketing for my banners on the side of my truck and, and a couple signs, dude, I got so nervous, bro. I took the signs off my truck. Uh, I, I pulled all the, my, uh, my bandit signs left my left my uh, my website stuff up, but like that's that's where I wasn't ready like I thought I was. I my ego mm-hmm. at the time was so in my way to where if my website would have actually popped and I would have been number one or one through three on Google, it would have literally shut my business down. Like which mm-hmm. is crazy to say because I know how my personality is. My person, I'll take on everything. And I always take mm-hmm. on a little more than what I should because it, it teaches me to get a little bit faster and a little bit better every single time. But with my own personal failures, man, I had a really hard time when we were going into summer because I was like, I was already starting to get, I hate to use the word, burnout. And it was like, uh-oh, I'm doing something wrong. I didn't build a business to feel like this. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think a lot of times, too, like, it's okay to realize in this industry that not everyone has to build a business to a million dollars either, right. right? You have to realize what, what's the right size for you. And maybe, maybe you might say, well, I'm, I'm bad at leadership. So it might just be the fact that you like to be solo or that you like to kind of be doing the work. And that's fine. Like, I think, I think a lot of times the narrative around what my client is like, oh, you have to scale. Not really. Like if your vi- vision and mission and like what aligns with the way you want to live your life is, to be a solo operator with a helper sometimes, that's fine. Right. The question is, how do you make that most profitable and serve you in the best way? Like, for example, if I was so busy and I was solo, the first thing I would do is make sure that my phone number was less on my website and it was pushing people more towards an automated estimate request form. Mm. Before they submitted that form, I would make it very clear that my pricing was that they had to be weekly, that my minimum price was X amount, and try to weed out all the tire kickers that were going to waste my time anyways. Right. I would raise my prices on all my customers, knowing that probably 80 or 90% of them are going to stay with me anyways. And become more profitable by doing so. And then I have the, then you're going to have the, the, the debate. Do you grow using that profit? Or do you continue doing what you're doing and just stay very, very profitable? Right. I think one of the worst, not the worst, one of the most common things I hear in this industry is, oh, man, the phone just rang off the hook and like, I can't stay up with the stay up with the work. Why aren't you raising your prices? Right. Why aren't you making it harder for customers to get to you? And when I say harder, I mean you're weeding out the people that aren't good by telling them about price beforehand, by screening them on the phone so you don't spend an hour talking to them at their house before you realize that they have no money to spend. Right. These are things that like are pretty simple to put in place and it doesn't require you scaling your business. It just requires you thinking about 
how could I maximize value to the customer and therefore improve my profit margins by raising prices? Like if you're a solo operator and you're a business owner, the value that you have to the customer is so much greater because you take so much better care of them and you're, you're the same set of eyes in the property at all times. You should not compare your hourly rate to a, a big operation in your local, local market. In that local market, in your local market, you have a big player that has 20, 30 employees. There's a different employee on that customer's property every single time. As a solo operator, you're there the same time every day or every week and the same set of eyes. You know their property inside and out. You're going to take best care of them. You're never missing anything. The amount that you should be charging is at least 20, 30, 40% more than a big mo blow and go company. Right. And so I think realizing that and then maximizing your profitability is what I really care about because I hear so many people say, oh, the phone's just ringing off the hook. My next question is, if you're full and you're busy, raise those prices and make it where it's harder for an unqualified customer to get a hold of you, yeah. right? And so that's kind of like my mentality. I don't think everyone has to scale. I don't think it's for everyone. Like it comes with a lot of headaches. When you have 30 employees, like you're going to have every single day, there's going to be a major issue. Everything from a car accident to an employee's spouse getting diagnosed to something yeah, like what we've gone through COVID and like, yeah, you're going to deal with customers who are, sorry, employees that have, has, you know, exposure to COVID. How do you deal with that? And then the next day it's a car accident. The next day someone, you know, like it just goes from thing to thing to thing. And that might not be for you, right? And if you're not dealing with the physical stress of working your butt off every day, 10 to 12 hours a day out in the field, you're going to deal with the same level of mental stress 24-7 as you begin to grow. And it's really up to us as owners to just be mature enough to realize what's the best thing for my lifestyle. Because for some people, they should stick with the solo, make it really ultra profitable, and that's the best thing for them. Right. For other people, they need to go out and they need to build a scalable business. So they can take their two week vacation with their family. And that's what serves them best. I think the, the wrong thing to do is compare yourself to my, me, compare yourself to you, compare yourself to any other content YouTuber and think that for some reason we need to compare ourselves to them when they have a completely different life, completely different mission. And honestly, a completely different reason why they're put on this earth. Yeah. And so I think that's something we've got to come to peace with. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And and you also mentioned about raising raising your prices when you were when you were early, kind of figuring out in between in and out of college and just deciding what you were still doing. When you were mowing grass, at some point, did you realize that you need to get your confidence level at a different rate? Because what I realized with with myself and and with talking to other different people that that follow my content is some of the guys like me and, and I do it is why I pointed out is sometimes I struggle with confidence on. Uh, just, just being confident in my pricing and, in and, in my ways, it was really bad last year. This year I've kind of became kind of callous, if you will. And I hate to say callous, but like, I know what I want, but last year I really struggled with raising prices. If, if, if you were, if you were an existing client, let's say I was mowing your yard for 30 bucks and I needed to put you everybody else to 40, like, you know, where I wanted everybody else to be. I, I, I struggled so bad. Was you ever like it early on in, when you were starting your business? Like when we first started, I think our target rate for mowing, well, I was doing $40 an hour, right? Like that was kind of the goal right. uh, when I was first starting, right? And you have to realize that as you grow the business and you become more efficient, you're going to become faster at things, right? 
So whether it be better equipment, better trucks, better routing, if you have a staff person that's always checking on the scheduling, the routing, if you have a, someone watching over the equipment to make sure everything's primed and, and, and not breaking down, like that's all overhead and it needs to be accounted for in the hourly rate, right? right. And so you know, now we're well over double that hourly rate in terms of charging when we're mowing. But it comes at the cost of having an office person and having an estimator. And then you have a command center that takes the calls and all. So it makes it an oiled machine. But there has to be, you have to realize that as the business grows or as you become more skilled and competent, you have, that has to be reflected in your hourly rate, right? right? And so if someone is very, very busy and they're just like the phone's ringing off the hook and it's annoying them, they're running behind, they're running their body into the ground. Like they got to realize either a, you've got to expand with people and, and hire people or B you've got to raise your prices to start weeding down on how much work you're getting. Right. Yeah, I like, if, I agree. If, like people got to realize if you have a 10% profit margin business, right. And, and you have a 10% profit margin business, let's just say, for example, I know for most smaller companies, they're going to have a lot higher, let's say 10% profit margin business and you're running a million dollar operation. That's a hundred thousand dollars take home pay. If you raised your prices 10%, 10%, so you took your $30 mow and made it $33, you would double your profit. Wow. And so I think people got to realize that your price is your biggest lever in your business, right? And so every single dollar you can raise that price is profit, money in the bank. And you got to realize that that doesn't change your cost structure by raising the price either. So if I made... If, I, if my cost is $27 to get all my expenses paid, employees paid, gas, insurance, all the rest of it, and I'm charging 30, therefore I have a three per, or sorry, 10% profit, $3, a 10% profit. If I raise that to $33, I've just gone from 10% to 20%. And just like that, I doubled my profitability. I've gone from $100,000 in the bank to $200,000 in the, in the bank if I do that across the board. And so people got to realize that, that price is your biggest lever in your business. Raising your price is absolutely what 95% of lawn care business owners should do, especially if they're not trying to scale very quickly. And especially if the phone is ringing off the hook. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's something I never even, I never even, cause I was writing it down as you were doing about the price. Hey, before, uh, be before we hang it up, man, I can't believe I can't believe you are you're franchising it. That that seems to me like I'm sitting here thinking like how in the world is that even possible? What, at what point did you say you know what like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a franchise out and everybody can be Augusta you know people can buy in and be part of Augusta Lawn Care but like man that had to have been like nerve wracking for you to take take over your area. Uh, you know you're essentially people are owners if they if they're a franchise they own like. That's a, that's a little bit different, but like, obviously you would still be the boss boss, but like, that's, that's just a, a weird, uh, I think it's awesome. It's great. It's like, you're, you're, you're like the actual real business guy on YouTube. So t just talk about when you said, okay, I'm going to start franchising. And was it hard to find uh franchisees? Yeah. So like, you know, most people don't believe me. When I say this, you have to talk to my team to confirm this. And that is like, Right from our very first offsite meeting several years ago, I said that that was the long-term goal, but I was thinking more like five years from that point in time. Yeah. And it ended up being about two or three, but like I always knew that that's what I wanted to do because number one, um, I'm not super passionate about lawns and mowing. 
I'm really passionate about entrepreneurs and helping people start small businesses. And I've done that for a long time with Business Bootcamp Podcast, right? Like outside of the lawn care industry, I had done that for a few years before I even starting to create content for the landscape industry. It's like I could think of nothing better than being able to see other entrepreneurs be able to use the systems that I've had to figure out, you know, hitting myself in the head overnight and like mad and like, or like making mistakes. I wanted them to be able to learn from that and just not have to go down that road, right? Like if I could get to a million dollars in revenue within three years, other people could too, if they had just didn't have to go through all the trials and tribulations, the issues and the mistakes that I you know, got sued by an employee because I fired them incorrectly. Like I can train you how not to do that because I've done that, right? And right. so, um, you know, I knew from day one that I wanted to. And like the, the most rewarding thing for me and the reason I did it is like, for example, Nick Snedden is one of our franchisees up in Ontario. Shout out to him if he's listening. And um, he, he's 21 years old. And, you know, I see a lot of myself in him. And last year he did uh, about 30,000 in revenue in his lawn care business. He joined the franchise. And this year, or this past month, he did thirty over thirty five thousand in revenue in just this past month. Wow! And like that to me is why I I did the franchise. There's nothing more rewarding to me than being able to take what I've learned, give that to somebody else, and they be able to replicate the systems, the procedures, and the success that it brings. So that's why I did it. But like in terms of of finding the franchisees and things like that, we don't do a lot of marketing besides like obviously my content. Um, because at the end of the day, it takes a kind of a special person to want to be a franchisee with Augusta. Cause like the first thing we go over with the franchisees when they come for training is the why, the mission. And our goal at Augusta is to change the level of professionalism in the landscaping industry. Right. And I tell them like every single decision I make with this company is going to be revolved around that. It's not going to be around short-term profit. It's not going to be around what makes us look good. None of that really matters. The why of this company, the reason it exists is to change the level of professional in the landscaping industry. And how we're going to do that is basically force competition to either match us or go out of business. They're either going to have a pay for performance system and treat their employees correctly and compensate them correctly, or we're going to suck out all the talent out of the, that market and dominate that community. Right? They're either going to have a great website, they're either going to be insured, they're either going to have professional systems where they answer their phone, where they get estimates back within 24 hours and match us, or they're going to go out of business. And that is how we're going to, that's our goal in changing the industry is basically by doing it industry, or sorry, market by market, you know, community to community, location by location, by putting pressure on the competition to either match us or they're just going to be, you know, the market dynamics of capitalism that puts them out of business. Right. I, I'm sitting here as you talk about that. I'm just imagining Gusta Lawn Care in my area, and I'm thinking about my the cracks in my play right now. I'm just like, oh god. So what? What's your uh, what's your goal with it? Obviously, go uh, nationwide with it. Is is that what you're thinking? Yeah, we're already nationwide. We have uh, 20 locations around North America, so we have two up in Canada already. Mm. Um, and so they're all over from New York, Florida, Texas, you know, Colorado, Oregon. They're all over the U.S. Um, but like, yeah, like my goal, we want to get to 500 franchisees. And at that point is where I feel um, there's a few things. We have a flat base like fee model. I don't, I don't yeah, I'm not trying to sell anything. But like basically, we basically, like our goal was to build the franchise, not to make royalties. 
And my big thing against a lot of the franchises is they take a royalty or a percentage of revenue from their franchisees. So what we did is like, hey, we can operate on a set monthly fee. So it's 1200 bucks a month. Yeah. And that's a set monthly fee that we know we can co- cover our cost structure. As we scale, we can make it profitable. And the main thing is, is it'll allow uh, our franchisees to continue to grow their businesses without the pressure of having a percentage coming wow. off the top. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so if, that's if someone's, yeah. So it doesn't matter if someone's doing 100000 or $2 million in revenue, they're going to pay the same $1,200 a month for all the services that they get from the franchise, the systems, and all the rest of it. So like the, the goal in doing that is to get size. I want 500 franchisees. I feel like with that much power of in the market, we can really dictate a lot in the industry. And that's, that's the why. It all comes back to that is why we're doing this is to change the industry. I could care. Like if we were trying to maximize profit here, we would be taking a, a 7% royalty with a 2% marketing budget. And we'd, we'd be making five times as much money as we are right now. But the, 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 the matter is that we're trying to create a sustainable business model where we as the franchise can support the franchisees and they can continue to grow without having that royalty coming off the top. Yeah. And so that's kind of our goal is 500 franchisees. And at that point, I would feel like we kind of uh, would have a footprint enough in the industry to kind of dictate some change that I would like to see. Like, like for example, I really think every single landscaping business owner, when they start hiring, should have pay for performance. They should have where the employee is making a percentage of revenue and begins to operate and think like an owner instead of like an employee where an employee thinks about how long, like how long can I make this job last? Because I'm getting paid by the hour. The longer this job takes, the more money I make. Whereas the owner, it's the complete opposite. The shorter they get the job done, the more money you make. Why not try to get going in the same direction, make a pay for performance model where they get a percentage of the revenue. They want to get that job done as soon as possible and get home and just make sure the customer's happy. And so that kind of positive change in this industry is what's required. But to do that, we have to have some sort of scale and, and, and footprint and, and stay in what kind of uh, goes or is, is kind of industry standard. And so that's what I feel the 500 markers are we're trying to go for right now. Yeah, I have no, I have no doubt that you're, you're going to exceed that for sure. And you're, you're definitely making an impact now. Uh, I think it's great. And, and last part is, man, I knew you were a real player when you called out top notch and, and he actually didn't get aggravated with it. He sat down with you on it. And I was like, okay, this dude, this dude is for real. And I assume you helped him out with his business. Cause you called out his f- flaws just by watching his videos. You knew exactly what was going on. So you know, uh, you know. Let's business. just be clear. <laughs> let's just be clear. I didn't call him out. I didn't say his name, but um, I knew who you were talking but, about. <laughs> but the thing is, is not to put someone else down, right? Like right, I went and traveled him. to Brian, and, and and one thing that no one you know knows from those videos is I went there and just gave him a check, and to help him through that time, and flew across the country for one day to give him a check and do a quick interview, and so. Like the reason is because I was proud of him that he would actually be humble enough to do what he did online. And, um, and he's doing what's right is go back to what serves you best. He had to step back and realize that owning three trucks, having employees, you know, mowing massive municipal, uh, contracts was not going to serve his lifestyle. And it takes some humility to step back for when you're doing it publicly. And that's why I commended him so much. And I'm not against him. We're great friends. Like, He's That's awesome, what man. people need to do. People need to be humble enough to realize that like, hey, maybe I made a mistake. I'm going to step back. I'm going to recalibrate, right? Yeah. And so 
I don't think there's any shame in that. And uh, I think that was yeah. awesome when you guys did that, and and when when you guys had that talk, and he was talking about scaling back, and dude, that that resonated with me so much because a lot of times you get caught up in the glitz and the glamour, and everybody wants to be bigger than True Green, and everybody wants to you know whatever. But like you like you've been saying repeatedly, do what works best for you, but do it the uh, the most profitable and and do it the most efficient, but do what works best for you and your life. What works for you and your family, and that that was awesome when you when you when you guys sat down and did that. That was a great. I probably watched that video like three times. Like <laughs> you guys did, you guys did awesome, man. And 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 you ain't uh, you ain't no joke when it comes. I I know you're gonna exceed your uh, you're gonna hit your goal, and 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 you guys are you guys are doing great, man. I appreciate you, I appreciate you stepping on. Real quick, go ahead and um and pl- plug uh plug your stuff because I think uh, if you get more people signing up for whatever you got going on landscapebusinesscourse.com, all that stuff uh, you got a podcast as well. I do. Yeah, I do. so um just yeah just youtube.com slash Mike Andes. That's all my free stuff on there. Honestly, ninety percent of that uh is probably what's in the course. The course is really just built in a chronological way from step one, you know, and, and really just a little more chronological. That's landscapebusinesscourse.com. Um, but if you're more established, you want a website, we do do the website building as well. So lawncarewebdesign.com, um, and all the money that we make from the course and from the long care web design goes back into creating content. So that's why we were recently able to afford hiring Josh full time for video. And so, um, just trying to create more content for the community and that's what that, all that money kind of goes towards. That's awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you, uh, answer my call. I'd like to talk to you maybe in the end of the season and, uh, kind of check Absolutely. back with you. man, that was a great, that was an awesome, awesome phone call. I sat down with I mean, Mike Andes from the Landscape Business Course uh, YouTube channel. He did an awesome job. We just, it was off the cuff. Uh, really nice guy. I appreciate you guys listening. Leave a five-star, leave, leave, leave a positive review and a five, hit them five stars. I'm trying to grow this podcast, trying to grow the YouTube channel, trying to grow it all. We want to be successful. We want to become better entrepreneurs. We want to become better leaders. We're just trying to do the right thing here. And uh, we appreciate you guys. God bless all of you. See y'all later.